You're listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church, located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit AntiochEast.com. Romans 1, 2, and 3, until you get to verse 19, are very heavy verses. Very heavy verses. You say, well, Brother Ram, why don't you just do them real quick? Well, then you'd lose the point of the passage. He spends three chapters talking about one thing. That is the guilt of man. Why? Because you don't think you're guilty. Because the hardest thing in the world to get someone saved is to convince them that they're lost. The Bible says that every man is right in his own eyes. That's what Proverbs says. That's not a good thing. He's not saying it's a good thing. He's, he's complaining. Every man thinks he's right in his own eyes. Nine times out of ten, you ask someone, are you going to heaven? They say yes. And going to say, well, I'm a pretty good person. And the next question you ought to ask them is, as compared to what? Well, Hitler... Jeffrey Dahmer, I don't eat people. You know, someone like that. And we mistake the standard is not Jeffrey Dahmer. It is not uh, uh, Ron Owen. It is not Hitler. The standard is Jesus. And that's why Paul, for three chapters, tells everybody, you all fall Short. And he's already dealt with the first group, which are the easiest group, the, the pagan, the heathen. Uh, Paul categorizes sinners into four groups. Number one, the heathen. Verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 19 through 32. That's what we preached on the last couple of weeks. And then the hypocrite, which is what we'll deal with today. And then the Hebrew, the Hebrew, the Jew. And then he deals with the whole human race in verses 9 through 18 of chapter 3. And he just... He just really just pours it on. And we've considered chapter 1, 18 through 32, the guilt of the heathen, the awful, the wicked things that they do. But then here's the question, what about the good people? What about the good people? Okay, yeah, them over there, you know. Stay away from the real bad people. We don't smoke, we don't chew, we don't kiss the girls that do. We're the good people. Oh, really? Really? Well, Paul gets to you next. The moralist, if you would. We move on to chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. We're only going to cover verses 1 through 5 this morning where we see the guilt of the hypocrite. As Paul preaches chapter 1, you can hear as the amens of the people in chapter 2 ring out. Amen, get them, get those homosexuals, get those adulterers, get those uh, atheists, get those uh, uh, malicious liars, get those disobedient to parents, get all, get them, Paul, go. Amen, idolatry is sin, I'd never do that. Amen, forgetting God is a sin, I'd never do anything like that. Amen, adultery is sin, I wouldn't participate in that. Chapter 29, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetous, malicious, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-minded, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unkind, unmerciful. Yeah, 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 get them, Paul. We wouldn't ever do those things. No, what you mean is you'll never catch me doing those things. 
They do not see or they are ignorant of two situations that are brought out in these verses. Their hypocrisy and God's standard of righteousness. This is what God says. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, that you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of the goodness and the forbearance and the long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God." Now, first of all, you understand, who in the world is he addressing? Who's he addressing? Who's he talking to? And a lot of people think that he's talking to the Jews. As a matter of fact, I heard two great commentators say he's really addressing the Jews. And, uh, but I don't, think that is his, I don't think that that is a specific audience. In verse 17 is when he starts really talking about Hebrews. Here's how he addresses the one that he's talking about in our text. He says, look at it in verse 1, Therefore you're inexcusable. Listen, O man, whoever you are, who judges? Who judges? O man, whoever you are. It's everybody. He's talking to anybody and everybody that is depending upon their goodness to get them to heaven. He's addressing any moralist, Jew or Gentile. Look at verse 15 down there. Look at verse 15. Who show the works of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves and their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. Everybody inside knows there has to be a right and wrong. We all have a conscience. There's even honor among who? Thieves. Even thieves know there's a line you shouldn't cross. Certainly, he's addressing Jews, but his focus is not just the Jews, but on anyone trusting in their own morality to make them right with God. I want to tell you, please listen to me, hear me today. If you're saying, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person, I was born in a good home, I'm a member of a good church, and you're depending on your morals to get you to heaven, you're going to hell. Please listen to this message today. I beg you. No one gets to heaven on good works, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's three reasons these people are without excuse. We find them in our text. Number one, they're haughty. They're proud. They're arrogant. And let me tell you, the very first sin that ever was recorded is this sin P-R-I-D-E, pride. Satan said, I will ascend above the Most High. I will be God. It's the same thing that the wicked were doing in chapter 1. It just doesn't come out physically yet. It's all in heart and mind. So he says, number one, they're haughty, they're proud, they're arrogant, they're high-minded. Four times in verse 1 and in verse 3, we see the phrase, you who judge. This word carries the notion that they are prosecutor, judge, jury, and would-be executioner. 
That's, that's what this judge here means. All of it. Judge, jury, and executioner. Number two, they're hypocritical. You are inexcusable. Don't look down your pharisaical nose at them because you know you do the same things. A brother, I've never done those. I've never done those. Yes, you have in your heart. Let me tell you something. God not only sees the action of your hand, but He sees the desire of your heart. And besides that, I know because I'm a sinner too. We all have times when we're alone. We all have times, we all have sins that do so easily beset us. Everybody in this room deals with besetting sins. Now you may be saying, well, I'll tell you what, I don't deal with some of those big ones. I don't deal with that. Well, thank God for His grace. That's the only reason you haven't. It's the only reason you don't deal with it. It's the grace of Almighty God. But given enough time and enough leash, you would become like Sodom and Gomorrah. We see things on TV. We talk about things on TV. We say, oh my goodness, I can't believe I would never do something like that. Oh, yes, you would. I know you're saying, Brother Ron, I would not. Yes, you would. Now, I would dare say that maybe probably you won't because the only reason is because you've been saved. But you give the sinner enough time and enough leash and they will become as wicked as they possibly can outside of the grace of God. They're hypocrites. Why? For for you who judge, you practice the same thing. Well, I would never commit adultery like that and just go from bed to bed to bed to bed. And, and, but, but maybe you haven't. Or maybe it's because we've just never found you out and you won't admit it. Or maybe it's in your heart and your mind to do so. You may not be an adulterer in your body, but you are an adulterer in your heart. And you know it. You name any other sin. For you who practice, you who judge, you who are the judges, you are practicing the same thing. Verse 3 says, you who judge are doing the same thing. He repeats itself twice. You do the same thing. Maybe not with your hands, but in your heart. And some of you do it with your hands. You just have hidden it very good. We all are sinners, aren't we? They make three fatal mistakes about God. This is good. They mistake God's standard of judgment. My friend, again, I must say this. God is not going to judge you by the sins of another nation or another people or another person. My friend, the standard you must meet to enter His kingdom and be in His presence is as sinless as as Jesus Christ. All have sinned, now listen, and of all fall short of the glory, you could enter there the standard of God. Let me ask you something. Are you as glorious as Jesus? Are you as glorious as Jesus? Then you're not getting in. Then you're not getting in. Does that not terrify you? That ought to terrify you right down to your toes. That the standard you must meet is the standard of being as righteous as Jesus Christ. They mistake the standard of God's judgment. 
Number two, they mistake his sentiment toward them. In verse 3 he says, And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Well, yeah, because God thinks I'm, I'm the bee's knees. God sure is glad he got me, I bet. <laughs> I want to tell you, God hates sin. That's your problem. You always want to emphasize God is love, God is love, God is love. Let me tell you something before God is love. God is just. He is just. He is just. Listen to what the angels said. The angels didn't say loving, loving, loving. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Grace, grace, grace. They said holy, holy, holy. The Bible says without holiness no man will see God. You mistake his sentiment toward you. And then the third mistake they make is they mistake his sensitivity toward sin. They think God is some white-headed, doting grandma or grandpa up in heaven who has a paddle with a pillow on the end of it. You know, you've seen that grandma's uh, paddle. It's got a little pillow on the end of it. That's the way they view God. That's the way they see God. My friend, God is a God who hates sin, hates it, despises it, will not allow it into His presence, into His presence. So if you have sin, if you are a sinner, you've got a problem. Let me tell you, this is what Paul's trying to do is to show you your problem. Ezekiel 18.4 says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And my friend, that's not talking about physical death, although we all will die physically. It's talking about spiritual separation from God forever in hell. But for those of us that know Christ and have loved ones who have died that know Christ, it is a separation, but it is temporary. Amen. Amen. Shout if you want to. Number three, they are hard-hearted, but in accordance with the hardness of your impenitent heart is what it says. This is the root of the problem. This is the root of the problem. The heart of the human problem you've heard is the problem of the human heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? According to the prophet Jeremiah, that's what he said. The heart of man is deceitful. Listen. Above all things, and that's your heart. That's your heart. That's your heart. That's the kindest person in this room. That's their heart. If it had not been for Jesus and the grace of God, that's all of our hearts, deceitful above all else. You don't believe it? How many of you remember seeing your little bitty babies as they began to try to deceive you to get a bottle when you knew they didn't need it? When they tried to deceive you to get you to pick them up when you knew they didn't need to be. The Bible says we come forth speaking lies. Oh, this lie that we have bought in America that all men is basically good, how much damage that has done. My friend, you are basically evil and bad. And it takes God Almighty to change that heart. We rationalize our sin by comparing it to other sins. We deceive ourselves by ignoring our sins. We love our sin more than Jesus Christ and what He provides. That's the problem. 
If you're so wonderful, if you're so good, then why don't you just do what God says and repent of your sin, place your faith in Christ, turn from the world, turn from sin, and turn to God. Now, some of you say you've done it, but you know inside, and you know when no one's looking what you are and what you really love. Let me tell you, for the Christian, we talked about this in Sunday school, the old man is dead. I hate my sin, and when I sin, it kills me. I repent of it nearly immediately, and I cannot enjoy it. But you, some of you here, secretly love and coddle and enjoy your sin. That's a good indication you have never been born again. The old man is not dead. Your impenitent heart. I don't care what God says. I don't care what the church says. I don't care what mom and daddy says. And if I have to hide it from them, I am going to live in this sin. I'm going to do it. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care what mama says. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, you're lost. You're lost. The Bible says those that have been born again practice righteousness not perfectly no we struggle everyone's supposed to say, but we want to keep the commands of Christ number 2 inexorable judgment number 2 inexorable judgment it's a big word inexorable i kind of like it it's kind of a neat word inexorable it means it's going to happen you can't stop it and do you think verse 3 says that you will escape the judgment of god Do you think those of you who are hypocrites, listen, we would have more patience with a drunkard than a hypocrite. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people who stayed home today because they said, I don't want to go down to that church. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. To which, when you visit them, say, come on, one more won't hurt. To hide behind a hypocrite means you've got to be smaller than the hypocrite. Why don't you get right with God and repent of your sin? Repent of your hypocrisy. You're a sinner just like the rest of us. You're just trying to rationalize your sin. Do you think that you will escape the judgment of God? Three times we see that phrase, the judgment of God, the judgment of God, the judgment of God. Let me tell you something about the judgment of God. Let me tell you a few things. It's in your notes. Number one, it is according to truth. Romans 2, 2, but we know that the judgments of God is according to truth. Romans 2, 5, there uh, at the last part of the verse, listen, it is the righteous judgments of God. He judges according to truth. He judges righteous judgment. Acts 17 tells us that God has appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness. My friend, let me tell you, when you get judged by God, you are going to get judged according to what you have done. We read Jeremiah 79 earlier. We read, remember that? It says the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things, you know, or however that verse goes. But you know, I've heard that verse over and over and over and no one keeps reading into verse 10. Let me give you verse 10. It's more frightening than verse 9. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. That ought to scare every one of us. Yeah, but Brother Ron, but look at all the good things I've done. I think all the good things are going to outweigh the bad things. This is what the Bible says about your goodness. They are filthy rags. You know why? Because all the righteousness we do without Christ, we do for S-E-L-F, self. Not for the glory of God. 
It's according to truth. It's against sinners. Against sinners. You are inexcusable for you who judge practice the same thing. God's not going to judge you if you are good, but you know, you know you're not good. You know you've sinned. Romans 2 verse 2, look at there. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and you doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? My friend, you are going to answer to God. You must stand before God on your own two feet. We want God to judge other sins, especially the ones whose sin is towards us. But what if God said, okay, I will, I will, I'm going to start judging. But first, let's start with your sins. Wait a minute, God. All have sinned. And lastly, on this point, appointed a time. His judgment is appointed a time. But in accordance with the hardness of your heart and impenitent, uh, impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. My friend, there is appointed a day in which you'll judge the world unrighteous. The Bible says that we all must die and appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of things I've got in my calendar in the future. I want to tell you something that's all subject to change, isn't it? No, we don't think it's going to. We hope it doesn't. We hope all is well. But every one of those appointments in my calendar are subject to change. But my friend, put it in the back of your calendar. Judgment day. It will not change. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Lastly, and the last point is this, the inexplicable God. The inexplicable God. Now you say, why are you so excited? Because I know what I'm fixing to preach. The provision of His goodness. I know in all of this judgment, oh, you may have missed it, but it's right there. It's like a diamond in a pigsty. Right there it is. Verse 4, or do you despise? Now, now forget do you despise. Now start reading. The riches of His goodness, forbearance, long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. God Almighty... God Almighty wants you to come to Him. He pleads to you. He cries out, Oh, person, oh, person, would to God that you would come to me and I'd gather you like a mother chick gathers her hens, but you would not. God wants to save you, my friend. He will save you. Number one, He has provided His goodness, the riches of His goodness, His plan, His mercy with Adam, His Son, His cross, His resurrection, His blood, His beating, His brutality to Him, and the blame that He took. Why? Because of this, sinners can be saved. He took all of that so that you might be saved. He took your place. I cannot, and and Paul doesn't. Paul just, boom, he talks about the heathen. Then he slashes through the moralist. Then he knocks down the Jew. And then he ends with an explosion of guilt for everybody. And he never stops. But then he gets to verse 19. God has provided righteousness for you. You don't have righteousness to save, but Jesus does. And if you will trust Him by faith, call upon His name, hating and leaving your sin, and running and clinging to Him, He will forgive you every one of your sins, cover you by the blood, and as Colossians 3, 1-4 through 4 says, He will put you in Christ, hide you 
in Christ. He will put you in Christ's hands and then Christ will put Himself in the Father's hands and no one will be able to snatch you from His Father's hands nor His. Inexplicable God. Look at your life and the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Some of you here had some of the most godly parents. It's the goodness of God that led you to this service to hear this message. It is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes maybe it's a little easy. Sometimes it's sad. But God leads you to the point and you repent and you cry out to God and He saves you and then all of a sudden the floods of joy flow over you like you've never known before because the old man dies and the new man revives and you're saved. The goodness of God leads you. You've had preachers and pastors and youth pastors that have taught you the word of God. It's the goodness of God that led you into that path. The patience of His goodness. He's been forbearant and long-suffering. Anybody ever tells you, well, God, God is the God of the second chance, say amen, that's good, He usually is. He's the God of the second, third, fourth, fifth chance. But I want to tell you something. If anybody tells you God's got to give you a chance, that's a lie from the pits of hell. You don't deserve any chance. It is His goodness and His forbearance and His long-suffering that He has not French fried us all. But he, he's patient. He's patient. And God could righteously zip and throw you into hell. But you're here this morning because of the goodness of God. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. His goodness is to lead you to repentance, to show the, you that you are sinful and far from Him. His goodness shows you He came to you in spite of your sin. His goodness shows you He provided salvation at a high cost to Him, but free to you. My friend, no one has ever come to God. No one has ever come to God. He comes to us. We love Him because He first loved us. We ran as hard and as fast as we could away from Him, and He came. He came to Abraham. He came to Moses. He came to the tabernacle. He came to the temple. And then He came through Mary. And He came to the cross. And He came to the grave. And then He came out of the grave. And then He came up to heaven. And now He is in His church. And some of you here, He has come to you. He has come to you. And all the things that Christ has done, what did we do to get saved? Nothing. We didn't want it. We ran from it. The very thing that condemns us was given to save us. That's the law of God. That's the law of God. The law of God converts the soul. That's what the Bible says. Did y'all know that? Galatians 3.24 Therefore the law was our tutor, our schoolmaster, our truant officer, if you would, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. We come to the law, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not have any of the gods before me, thou shalt not lie, honor your father and mother. And we look at that list and we say, hmm, well I've done it kind of, I've tried. Isn't that enough? No. 
And the law looks down and says, no, you've got to meet all ten of these perfectly. And, it's, and you say to yourself, I can't. And the law says, of course you can't. Look at me. What shall I do? What shall I do? And the law turns you and points you to Christ and pushes you towards the cross. 